This is a Willits Point Shea Stadium bound 7 express train. The next and last stop is Willits Point Shea Stadium. It is the Subway to Shape podcast. Anthony Rivera here with you talking about all the news and happenings surrounding that team from Queens, the New York Mets. Episode 89 is here from the Subway to Shape studios in my office. First off the bat, want to give a huge thanks to Al Cintrone who co-hosted with me on the breaking down of the beginning of the Mets hot stove season. That was last episode. You can check that out wherever you subscribe to your podcast. A lot of great interaction came from that, and we will be doing it again at some point. Quick note on Subway to Shea status on Twitter, because I know there's a lot of talk about what's been going on in Twitter and people leaving Twitter and whatnot, but we're not going anywhere. But if something does happen, if so by chance, Twitter does fall apart. You can follow me on Instagram and TikTok at Subway to Shea. Same handle. We'll be starting YouTube very soon. I know I said that in the past, but the channel has been created and content is coming soon. Now, I love Twitter spaces, but if Twitter ends at some point, which I don't think it will, but by chance it does, I do have an account on Spotify Live, which is very similar to Twitter Spaces. You just need to download the Spotify Live app and follow me at Subway to Share. That's kind of a little bit of a backup. I, I haven't really used it yet, but if something happens where can't use Twitter Spaces anymore, can follow me on the Spotify Live app. And when that happens, I'll bring it up on the podcast. But just, you know, giving the options out there. I'm also looking into adding a Substack, which will be a one-stop shop for all my content, writing, podcast, video, so be on the lookout for that as well. I'll keep you updated, as well as a Discord or a Clubhouse account, but right now we're just going to stick with Twitter and see how that works out. I think it'll be fine, but I'm not going to get too much into that, so we're going to just stick with Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at this moment. Let me know your thoughts on this and which of these you like using so I can get in on the fun and interact with you all. That's what's most important. I love doing this podcast and most importantly, I love interacting with you all on Twitter and Twitter spaces. Love doing those live shows. So let me know what you guys are interested in and what apps you're using. That would be a huge help to me. And with that said, let's get into the show and we're starting off with what happened earlier last week, because I haven't been on since then, but Buck Showalter, named Manager of the Year, the first Mets manager to win the award. And you think of the Mets managers who have won and who have come down the little seven train to Queens and that little stop at either Shea Stadium or City Field. And you think, you know, Gil Hodges, right? He could never have won because the award didn't come out, right? The Manager of the Year award didn't come out until 1983. 
So now you go to the next, Davy Johnson, who finished second in 1986 to Hal Linear of the Houston Astros. They faced each other off in the NLCS with the Mets winning and the Mets winning the World Series. You look even further to kind of when I started watching baseball and Bobby Valentine, who was a guest on the show. He finished fifth in 1999 to Jack McKeon of the Cincinnati Reds, and they faced each other in the wild card game. Uh, interesting note, Buck finished fourth that year, and he had the second best record of the top five managers. Crazy to think that he'd finished fourth. Bobby Valentine finished fourth in 2000 to Dusty Baker, who won it with the San Francisco Giants. This one is a little interesting for me. Willie Randolph finished second in 2006, where Joe Girardi won with the Florida Marlins. And it's weird because... You know, Florida had a 78-84 and 84 record compared to the Mets, who had a 97-65 and 65 record. So it's a little surprising to me that he would get that honor. I have to go back and look to see why they voted for Girardi at that time because I, I don't really recall why he would get that, you know, honor having not such a great season at all. They didn't even finish at 500. And then you go to Terry Collins, who finished third in 2015. Joe Madden, who won it with Chicago. They won the division. Next year, they win the World Series. And, you know, you look at all these guys and all these feats and compare that to what we've seen from Buck Showalter. This is the fourth time Buck Showalter has won Manager of the Year award in his career. He won it with the Yankees in 1994. He won it with the Rangers in 2004. He won it with the Orioles in 2014. And then he won it with the Mets in 2022. Well, how crazy would it have been if he would have won it in 2024? Every 10 years, Buck Showalter would have won an award. But four times winning manager of the year, it's, it's such a feat. I don't know, though, if that will get him into Cooperstown because he hasn't won a world championship yet. And you look at the other managers who are Hall of Fame managers, Bobby Cox and Tony La Russa are, you know, the other two who have won it four times. Buck Showalter beat out Brian Snicker of the Braves and Dave Roberts of the Dodgers. And, you know, it's interesting because a lot of Braves fans have been complaining, and some of the Braves media that I saw on Twitter were complaining when Buck Showalter won the award. I don't know if Dodgers fans were doing it, really. The Dodgers were such a big letdown, considering the record that they had, being the best team in baseball all year, losing in the division around. And then you look at the Braves, who came from 10 games down to overtake the Mets. But it's not like the Mets completely fell apart. Every so often, they would inch closer and inch closer, while the Mets were also winning as well. They just did a better job of winning when the Mets were losing. But they caught him in the last weekend of the season. They overtook the Mets. They finished with the same record, but they won the series, and that helped them win the division. Now, if the playoffs were included, I would think that Rob Thompson would have been the manager of the year because of what he did with the Phillies and getting them to the World Series. But you look at why Buck Showalter won. This past season, going 101-61, and 61, second best record 
in the Mets' regular season history, right behind that 1986 season, when I think the Mets won 108 games. A 24-game improvement from the year before when they won 77 games. That's the big reason why Buck Walter won. His 21-year career, Buck Walter is 16-50... and 50, uh, in his 21-year career, Buck Showalter is 1,652 wins to 1,578 losses, a 5-11 winning percentage. Might not be enough to get him into the Hall of Fame, but he's had a great managing career so far. And you look at what Buck brought to the Mets. He was a culture changer, a general. He had the respect of his players from day one and respected his players. He's loved by his players and their families. You see that with Francisco Lindor, how close they were. And when I talk about his fam- the families, look at how that little funny moment in the playoffs with his daughter, his little daughter, knowing Buck's name. Even when he won the award, she was cheering and clapping for him. Buck really knows how to connect with the players and what's going on in their lives. It was definitely a different atmosphere with the organization this past season, and hopefully that continues moving forward. It'd be real nice to see Buck Showalter win a World Series with the Mets. We saw Dusty Baker get to win one. He's well-respected and well-loved. And if Buck Showalter can get the Mets a championship in his time here, that would be just an awesome moment to watch because it was awesome to see it happen to Dusty Baker. Switching gears here, talking about the team, not too much going on in free agency, and I'm not going to talk a lot about all the rumors. Oh, Jacob deGrom thinking about Texas or, you know, the Giants are interested in Nimmo and the Blue Jays are in. I'm not going to do all that stuff. I want to see things happen. When the deals are made, when moves are made, we will get into those situations. You know, last week we talked about the hot stove and what we want to see this Mets do, but I can't get into all these rumors because 95% of the time they're wrong and it's clickbait. And I don't want that happening here on this podcast. But there's not been a lot of action when it comes to free agency in the New York Mets or any team whatsoever. It's not like the NBA free agency or NHL free agency or the NFL free agency where as soon as it hits, you get all these signings and they're pretty much done within like two or three days. That happened last season, but it took a lockout for that to happen. I wish MLB would do some sort of, you know, um, a signing period. Let's get this going because it's really boring right now. I love baseball, but MLB's not great at marketing and they're not great at getting fans interested and involved. I don't know about you, but it, it has been boring so far waiting for some moves to be made. But there were some minor moves made. The Mets non-tendered Dominic Smith and Sean Reed Foley, making them free agents. We're going to get into Dom Smith in just a few moments because there's a lot more to talk about with him. But Sean Reed Foley spent two years with the Mets from 2021 to 2022, 
19 games, 2-1 with a 5.28 ERA, more memorable for his funky delivery than pitching well, dealt with injuries, elbow both years, so I think it was time to let him go. He really didn't add much to the bullpen, and because of the injuries, you know, he, he just, you know, languished, and, and people overtook him, the, the Drew Smiths of the world, you know? Steven Nagosik, who I think should get a chance at the bullpen this year. But his time is done with the Mets. Dom Smith, uh, like I mentioned in the beginning, had a little longer tenure with the Mets, right? First round pick, 11th in the 2013 MLB Amateur Draft. He spent six years with the Mets from 2017 to 2022 in the big leagues. First two years didn't go too well. But in 2019 and 2020, it's when, you know, we started to turn heads seeing quite possibly what this guy could be. You know, 2019, batted 282 with 11 home runs, 25 RBIs off the bench. He had that memorable final game of the season where he had a game-winning pinch hit home run. I think it was his first at-bat off of the injured list. Helped the Mets beat the Braves to end the season. Then you go to 2020. He batted 316, 10 home runs, 42 RBIs, albeit a shortened 60-game season. But we finally thought that Dom Smith was coming into his own. And it just didn't happen, right? I mean, he finished 13th in MVP voting that year. Then again, it's the 2020 shortened season, so that changes things. 2021 was more of a down year in return to that full 162-game season. 2022, he could not take the reins of being a DH. Had one really good game that saved him from being sent down to the minors, and it led to the eventual release of Robinson Cano. He finished the year batting 194, no home runs at all, 17 RBIs, eventually was sent to the minors and never returned. Even as he was playing well down there in AAA, they still brought up Brett Beatty, they brought up Mark Vientos, and Francisco Alvarez instead. And to me, that was a sign of this eventual breakup that was coming between the two parties. You know, I was rooting for him to succeed, and it just never came. It never came. Dom Smith's a nice guy, and I wish him nothing but the best moving forward in his career, and I hope that he finds a home on a team and he he turns it around because, you know, Dom Smith is a guy that we hope would take it to the next level. We saw little pieces of that, and it just couldn't put it together. So nothing but well wishes for Dom Smith moving forward. Speaking of nice guys, good guys in the clubhouse, and, you know, tenures coming to an end, the Joely Rodriguez era is over. The Boston Red Sox signed Joely Rodriguez to a one-year deal. Ending his Mets tenure, he came to the Mets in a rare cross-town trade that sent Miguel Castro to the New York Yankees. In 2022, Joely Rodriguez was 2-4 with a 4.47 ERA in 50 and a third innings pitched. He pitched better towards the end of the summer and September, but wasn't the lefty that we hoped for, especially after the season Aaron Loop had. I thought he would be a nice complimentary lefty, but it just didn't work out. We should have got Andrew Chafin in the offseason when we did not 
bring back Aaron Loop. Instead, they brought in Chase and Shreve, and then him and Joely Rodriguez couldn't get things done, and it, it was just a disappointing way for the lefties to come out of the bullpen, but I know that Billy Epler has a lot on his plate, and I hope that he takes care of this situation because he didn't do it in the offseason very well, and he definitely did not take care of it when he had an opportunity at the trade deadline. And will the third time be the charm in trying to get Andrew Chafin here? Could have got him in the offseason last season. Could have got him at the trade deadline. Didn't do either. He's a free agent again. Can they bring him in? Is it worth bringing him in? How expensive is he going to be? These are questions that we will probably be answering as time goes on. You let me know. Who's the lefty you want to bring in? You can let me know on Twitter at Subway to Shea. What other options are there besides Andrew Chafin? I know I was very interested in the Mets bringing in Brad Hand last year, even after that little short spurt that he had on the Mets. I thought he pitched decently enough to be a part of the bullpen. Definitely pitched better than Joely Rodriguez and Chasen Shreve on the Philadelphia Phillies. I can't remember if he's a free agent. I think he is. But what are some other names? that you want to throw out there, throw into the bullpen, because the Mets are going to have to reshape this bullpen with a lot of guys becoming free agents. Speaking of this bullpen, the Mets made a minor trade with the Miami Marlins. The Mets are going to receive Eliza Hernandez, right-hand pitcher, 27 years old. In 2022, he pitched 62 and a third innings, 3-6 and six with a 6.35 ERA, a 1.43 whip, and 60 strikeouts. In his career, he's 10-21 and 21 with a 5.04 ERA, 277 strikeouts. Anthony DeComo of MLB.com say they may be replacing Trevor Williams as a long man spot starter with Eliza Hernandez. Um, I'm not a fan of hearing that. I thought Trevor Williams did a great job. I thought he should have been re-signed. You need a good long man, and the Mets didn't have one since Darren Oliver in 2006. So I hope they know what they're doing. I hope there is a chance that Trevor Williams comes back because you can never have enough depth, right? The thing is, Trevor Williams wants to find a more consistent starting role. I don't think that's going to happen with the Mets. Could it be? It's possible. I prefer him over Andrew Heaney, which there's been a lot of talk about of him coming to New York. He's been more successful in New York. And like I said, I really, really hope he returns. The Mets also acquired Jeff Brigham, right-handed pitcher, 30 years old. In 2022, 24 innings pitched, 0-1 with 3.38 ERA, 1.33 whip, and 28 strikeouts. In his career, he's 3-7 with a 4.52 ERA and 79 strikeouts. Possible fighting for a bullpen spot from Jeff Brigham. He might be a good person to throw in that bullpen. You know, they're going to have to replace guys like Trevor May and Seth Lugo if they don't re-sign them. Right now, all we got coming out of that bullpen is Edwin Diaz and I think Drew Smith. And I mentioned, you know, maybe giving an opportunity to Steven Nagosik, who pitched well last season. He's a guy that should be coming out of the bullpen. And maybe Jeff Brigham is going to be one of those guys. So we'll see. The Marlins received Franklin Sanchez from the New York Mets. 35 innings pitch. In 2022, 2-2 two two with a 3.79 ERA, 1.37 whip, 42 strikeouts. And I said 35 innings. It's 35 
and two-thirds innings pitched. His career 4-5 and five with a 4.97 ERA and 77 strikeouts, not in the Mets' top 30. So that shouldn't be a concern. He will come to the Marlins, or he will go to the Marlins with a player to be named later, or cash. So we'll see how that whole trade finalizes in the near future. A few notes before this train leaves the station. Speaking of the bullpen, there's going to be a lot of competition in the bullpen. The Mets claimed William Woods off waivers from the Atlanta Braves. In 2022, he pitched two innings to a zero ERA, two strikeouts. They also claim Steven Ridings from the New York Yankees. So they're getting from their rivals some pitchers. He last pitched in the majors in 2021. He had a shoulder injury and missed all of 2022 in the majors. Now, in 2021, five innings pitched, 1.80 ERA, and seven strikeouts. A lot of hard-throwing arms are being thrown at the bullpen from this Mets. They're getting more hard-throwers. The thing is, this bullpen is always changing and ever-evolving unless your name is Edwin Diaz. And it's okay to get good hard-throwers. But can they throw strikes? The big struggle with the Mets bullpen last year was there was a lot of walks. And they need to reduce the walks. They need to bring in pitchers that are going to throw less walks, throw more strikes. It's always good to get a strikeout. But if you walk the next couple batters and set up a hit, then you're giving up runs. And that's some things that the Mets should try their best to shy away from. The Mets also made a couple of minor dealings and um, looking into some of these moves that the Mets made, you got to go all the way to, I think it was SNY had it on there. I don't know these guys too well, but the Mets sign a couple of pitchers to minor league deals. They will receive an invite to big league spring training. Zach Muckenhorn, that's try saying that three times, and Denny Reyes. So Muckenhorn, 27 years old, he pitched in 47 games with AAA Charlotte in the Chicago White Sox organization, had a 3.11 ERA, and in three in six minor league seasons, he has a 3.82 ERA. Reyes, on the other hand, 26 years old, and he pitched with the Baltimore Orioles in 2022 and had a 2.35 ERA in seven and two-thirds innings pitched, and that was over three games, seven minor league seasons, 3.29 ERA. I love seeing when the Mets bring in these, you know, pitchers, not big name, no-name pitchers, but they bring pitchers in for the bullpen and, and to, you know, with spring training invites, but they don't have ERAs over four and five. That's what we got to see more of. And that shows you that now this organization is starting to know what it's doing. Will these guys make the bullpen? I don't know. It's possible that we might see them. But um, a big thanks to Danny Abriano of SNY.com who posted this article. So I, I basically was just reading what he had wrote here um, almost verbatim, not full but verbatim, but it's Danny Abriano. I want to give him the credit since he wrote his senior editorial producer at SNY.com for the New York Mets. Now... On a somber note, uh, Dave Hillman passed away at 95. He's the oldest living New York Met, pitched in 13 games for the 1962 Mets in their inaugural season. In 15 and two-thirds innings pitched, he pitched to a 6.32 ERA. And this got me thinking, with it being the 60th anniversary of the Mets being around, I wanted to do special on that team, 
So I'm reading Jimmy Breslin's Can't Anybody Here Play This Game, The Improbable Saga of the New York Mets' First Year. Uh, let me know if you've read this book about the 1962 Mets. I'm going to try to you know get a guest on or two and put something together for you you know, by Christmas, by the end of the year, and I, I want to really talk about the 1962 Mets, especially since they played at the Polo Grounds. I want to get into that, and um, I think it would be really interesting to have a nice little special there out there for you, especially while we're waiting here for these players to sign, and nothing's happening. So I want to get some good content out there for you. But we are pretty much going to wrap up this show here. I wanted to wish all of you, a happy Thanksgiving, happy, healthy, safe to you and your families. Enjoy your Thanksgiving, and if you're cooking food, I'm hoping that you're listening to the Subway to Shape podcast. If you're doing so, you can listen to this episode, you can listen to previous episodes. I got a couple of good ones with Bobby Valentine. Those are pretty, you know, good to listen to at any time about his book. I got Cleon Jones on his book. I have the director of the 30 for 30 Once Upon a Time in Queens, Nick Davis. That was a good episode. So while you're cooking, while you're getting food ready for your family and probably getting ready for football, you got to listen to the Subway to Shape podcast. And you can listen to the show on Anchor.fm, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Pocket Cast. Make sure to turn on those notifications to never miss an episode of Subway way to Shay. Like I said before, follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Subway to Shay. Very easy to find. If you're a new listener to this podcast, I can't welcome you enough. Welcome. Thanks for joining us, and I hope you consider subscribing on any of the platforms I mentioned. Also, make sure to share it with your fellow Met fans. If you've been a supporter this whole time, thank you. This show would not be where it is without you. And because of you, Subway to Shea is global. This podcast is not only played in the United States, but also has reaches across the globe. So no matter where you listen, please take a few minutes to write me a review. Let me know what you think of the show, what you like, what you don't like. I want to make this show better each and every week. And by going on Apple Podcasts, rating the show from one to five stars, hopefully it's five stars, and leaving comments in the reviews section can help me to help make this show better and you can also rate the show on spotify that's an option as well they don't have a comment section but you can rate the show from one to five stars don't forget to follow my work for rising apple rising apple is a new york Mets site on the fan sided network you can read my articles by going to risingapple.com or checking out the links in the description of this week's podcast episode make sure to follow rising apple on twitter at rising apple blog and the fan sided network at fan cited. Thank you everyone for tuning in. I appreciate you all so very much. And that will do it for this week's podcast. Don't forget to listen, subscribe, share, and review. For Anthony Rivera, you've been listening to Subway to Shea. Always remember, let's go Mets. And happy Thanksgiving, everyone. <laughs>